The dating app OkCupid is famous for matching people on what matters most to them, from food to the type of relationships they want to politics. They ask you really thoughtful and provoking questions to get to the heart of who you are and what type of person you're looking for. Download the OkCupid app. It's free. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gruciola, and me, Amanda Smith. Greetings out there, all you disaster divas. Uh, it is I, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And I'm going to do a little something. I'm going to say you are with us here today in the epicenter of the Disaster Girls podcast. Wow, I see what you did there. Ha And we are we are gathered today to discuss, indeed, a movie called Epicenter. It is indeed a movie called Epicenter. <laughs> <laughs> and this movie it is, is it's a real smuggler's operation of a disaster movie because it takes its time yeah getting to the disaster but when it gets there <laughs> possibly the longest earthquake in the history of cinema the longest the longest earthquake slash shootout scene I have ever watched oh, yeah yeah like I mean it's like it's like giving us a heist in a hurricane yeah giving us a shootout in an earthquake I like that kind of extreme uh crossover it was so, it was yeah. actually a shootout that was so involved that I at times forgot that there was an earthquake <laughs> yeah. because everyone yeah. was so deeply unaffected by the earthquake but so focused yeah. on the shooting that i was like mm-hmm. maybe there's just has it's oh it's still going oh epicenter is a real uh cornucopia of a movie yeah. and there's there's a lot of there's a lot unexpected going on here because amanda read the summary um last time when she was like setting up what movie we're going to talk about, mind you, it's a movie from 2000. I think that's important. But it to also could be from place. 1993. Like, let's make that very, I actually just to real quick on that point, in except the first for, 10 minutes. Ex- except for Gary Daniels looks extremely year 2000 with those frosted tips. Yeah. Like, the, no, until in the first few minutes when he's explaining what a disc man is. Yeah. And I was like, is this a different epicenter? And then I remembered that there was, Tracy Lord's was name was in the opening credits, and I was like, "There can only be one movie named Epicenter that also stars Tracy Lord's." I'm right, not that's watching, pretty. But I clarifying. definitely, for the first fifteen minutes, thought I was watching the wrong <clears throat> film until I saw the daughter's butterfly hair clips, and I was like, "Nope, that's uh-huh. definitely two thousand. Yeah, yeah. There, this movie is. It, it's. I. I really. I like it as an oddity of this podcast because it. It does. And like as Amanda explained, it, this. There's crime. There's a crime aspect of this. There's like. There's gangsters. There is, uh, like, technical espionage. There is, indeed, the earthquake. Um, there is frontal a, nudity. Yeah, there is, there is, perhaps, it could be the strangest sex scene I've ever seen. The, yeah, the most it's weirdly possible. robotic and emotionless sex scene I've ever watched. Utterly um, silent. Yeah. A Not, woman, uh, she was just doing her job of, of, of putting a penis inside of her. There was no, there was no, um music uh there was no there was no uh audible reaction to what was happening from either the man or the woman in the scene yeah. uh it's very it definitely utilizes uh close-up shots um on parts of the body uh it, it was just, it was very it was like it wasn't finished it was like post-production didn't get to it yeah it, I, um, honestly the whole time I was like is she just it, it was the kind of sex I was like oh is she trying to get pregnant and this is really just them doing this as like an, a, the marriage is dead but they're still trying to have a child that was the kind of sex that this was it was and I, I think in ultimately um, between the Russian crime woman Tanya and the, the man who like inv- are involved in the sex scene I think he's just some random guy like yeah. he doesn't have a place in the plot he's just somebody she her brother has died uh, recently in the movie and I think she's just like sad fucking this guy um, it's very it's very odd I would honestly uh, you know movies on Tubi I would recommend just kind of finding this so you can or- organize your thoughts around this odd sex scene as well but it, it, regardless of all that um, 
we start fully with the crime part of this movie. They, yeah. Like Tracy Lords, Tracy Elizabeth Lords, the legend herself is playing Agent Amanda Foster. She's an undercover FBI agent and sh she has infiltrated a criminal organization that is tapped Gary Daniels as like their man on the inside of this big corporate conglomerate that he's going to get them this chip with technology on it that will allow them to track stealth bombers. So, you know, it, important military secrets to sell to the highest bidder kind of thing. She's infiltrated this organization. She catches him in the act. There is an absolutely fucking crazy car chase, like an impressively crazy car chase that takes place. Well, Jordan, I'll explain that one in a few minutes. Oh, she apprehends him. Then there has to be a prisoner. This is done in San Francisco. They have to do a prisoner transfer down to Los Angeles. And that's where the the earthquake is going to take place. But of course, when they go down to L.A. for the prisoner transfer, a mole inside the FBI has tipped off the Russian uh, crime syndicate as to what's going on. So that is where the overlap of needing to uh, get the get the the perp, get the es committer of espionage, Gary Daniels, Nick Constantine, um, get him into the hands of proper authorities while being pursued by criminals. Um, then an earthquake hits, so they're, so they're having to do that in the middle of a devastated uh, by earthquake Los Angeles. So that's the broad strokes here. And also she has a daughter who she's estranged from who is at a mall in downtown <clears throat> that she must also get to to save her daughter. And then, like a, a, an immediate reality and next thing we have to point out is that this, when we meet... Um, Agent Tracy Lords and her daughter, they live in San Francisco. Mom's had to be under deep cover for a year. So she's really kind of had to be derelict in her parenting responsibilities. She's either divorced from her husband or they're just separated, but he lives in LA. Tracy Lords fully goes to work and comes home, can't find her daughter, and is like, Robin, where are you? Robin, somehow, somehow, this like 11 year old yeah. has gotten herself to Los Angeles because she gets a call. Agent Tracy Lords gets a call from her ex and he's like, hey, I have someone who wants to talk to you. He hands the phone to Robin and Robin's like, hi, mom. And she's like, what are you doing in Los Angeles? Nobody asks her how she got there. I Once we learned later on that Robin also had a belly button piercing, I assume that Robin had stolen her mother's credit card. Did she also, like, what else did she, how the fuck did any of that happen? She, so like, I assume she has, she has at multiple times stolen her mom's credit card. And in this case, she bought a plane ticket to LA, boarded a plane to Los Angeles, skipped gymnastics class, and did that. But, and only, I, it, a, a no, lot of, it's a lot of, that's a lot of problems ah, here. I mean, there's a lot of tap dancing to get to the point. But also, I feel, I mean, I flew alone a lot as a kid. But did you go through the procedural operation it, with the two, year 2000 internet to purchase the ticket on, online alone or in person alone and then board the plane alone with no intermediaries? I don't, I don't think I did. I don't think you, I feel like your parents probably no, interfaced with they those. Did, like, they did. I don't imagine this girl got, I don't know what the like I mean, AlaskaAir.com situation was like in the year 2000. Well, I, would, I would assume she called at the time and just placed the order over the phone. I. Yeah, that's how you made, that's how in the, in the before times we did, made plane ticket reservations. Did, she, did she go through a travel agent? Like all yeah. of this happened so fast. She is in LA, but like, cause you know, the flight from SF to LA, it's like 70 minutes, quick yeah. flight. So. All of this happened so quickly. It is truly like mom leaves in the morning, calls one of the other parents on the gymnastics in, in the gymnastics room. Was like, can you come get Robin and take her? And then by the time she gets home that afternoon, it's like not even nighttime. Daughter is fully settled into L.A. with her dad. It was to me, honestly, the most the most reality straining thing that happened in this movie is Robin getting herself to Los Angeles. Oh yeah, it definitely it definitely was one of those things where it like threw me for a loop, but then I had to I just kind of <laughs> head 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 retconned it to be like, well, she just but what a what a lot of ingenuity in that show. Yeah, I mean, look, the kid got herself a belly button piercing at the age of probably 11 and that's not legal either. Like What we're learning what we're learning in this movie is that um adult supervision and stop gaps for children doing things they're not legally allowed to do really failed Robin. Yeah. <laughs> Would, would nobody at Claire's strongly. Nobody at Claire's had needed an adult to sign for her for that belly button piercing. Nobody, when she got to the airport, went up to the ticket counter and got her paper ticket. Was like, sweetie, do you have an adult with you, or like, do you have any means of verifying that you are 
you you have an, a, a legal adult has consented to you doing this. Nothing. No. Nothing. Robin got to do everything she wanted. You know, Jordan, the 2000s were a wild, the year 2000 was a wild time. During Y2K, it might have just, every all the rules were out the window. That's just what it was. It was the Wild West for an entire year. It was the Wild West is absolutely what it does, yeah. what it was. And I don't know, I don't know, this might mean something, it might mean nothing at all. But like, I have the movie, I, I searched the movie on Google, it's pulled up, it's got like, you know, a little box of information. Drop down it. It's this initial release, March 22nd, 2001, Kuwait. Yeah. Initial DBD release? Yeah. Was Russia. Russia. Was Russia. So the composition of perhaps the international production, I feel like that that we might be witnessing here. It seems to me like that is not nothing when considering the like I was shocked by how R-rated this movie was with its sex and nudity at yeah. point. And um maybe that Maybe that's a maybe that's a part of what's going on here. I couldn't say for sure, but like I don't. It, there's something that feels there's something that feels just like not quite like an American. Like we've watched a lot of these movies, and we've watched a lot of American movies. Something felt just a bit. You're not from here, are you? In in the way that it was made. Well, it felt again. It felt like a movie from 1993 in that way. It felt <laughs> like it had the feeling of like those erotic thrillers from 1993. Like oh god, there was this one that I watched. I had to watch in. At school in college, called Sea of Love, with and uh. it involved Al Pacino. The climax involved Al Pacino having to dr- hump a mattress with his ass out. Okay, um, while the killer almost shot him in the back of the head as he uh. had murdered multiple people that way. Um, Got it. It's it was when I say scarring, I mean that in the sense of not that it was upsetting, but that it was the I did not need. Right, to but have it's never going to leave my you. brain. Yeah, it's never going to leave you. I just didn't need that. That was brain space I could have used for any number of other things, and instead, my horrible film studies teacher made us watch that movie. Um, and the point of the story is that this felt very much like that, like this, mm. like it came from the same kind of family tree of people who had watched Basic Instinct and been like, this is a movie, a genre now. Right. And they have that, like, there was no reason. The reason that we get full frontal nudity in the beginning of this film is because the hacking operation is being conducted out of the back of a strip club. Yeah. Which never comes into play, is completely unnecessary, but there are fully naked strippers that we just see in these tracking shots as they walk to and from the back room. Yeah, Tracy Tracy passes through and and it has to be noted also in a reality conversation. When we are introduced to Tracy Lord, she is wearing the most inexplicable wig. Oh, that red wig was spectacular. <laughs> and I I was so relieved. Yeah. When um her daughter uh, makes some comment about the car she's driving and she's like I have to wear it as a part of my undercover I have to drive it as a part of my undercover character. I was like, "Oh, thank God. This is her undercover." Yeah, outfit. not her this aesthetic was, was Yeah, I was well, so worried. The aesthetic would have been fine, it like with the coat, and even if that was like the hairstyle of her actual hair. But the fact that it we would have we would have been asked to go with, and Tracy would have been asked to spend an entire movie negotiating that wig in the heat of everything else that was supposed to happen. Yeah. When it was meant to be, oh no, this isn't supposed to be real. I was like, oh, thank God. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Because yeah. boy, that would have been a stretch. It was, yeah. It, she walks in and her daughter says like something about, uh, you look like you're going to the Miss Trailer Park pageant. Yeah. Uh, and that, and Tracy, and Tracy just is not having it that day. Yeah. Um, and I don't blame her because if I had to wear that wig as part of my cover for a year, I'd be really pissed off too. It's like, tough. And then, yeah, and then when she finally gets to – and she's like, okay, I did my job. I did everything, and now I'm going to get this taken from me. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'd be pissed. I'd be yelling at my director like, I'm sorry, you made me wear that fucking wig for a year, and I don't even get to in- interrogate the perp? I would yeah. be so mad. That's your because reward. Agent, Agent, Agent Tracy Lords apprehends Constantine, and it's it's she's told, well, this is from way up high. This case is being taken from you. It's too hot here in San Francisco. We've got to transfer the prisoner to some a, a more safe location. So they're taking him down to L.A. Effectively, yes, taking the entire case she has worked on for a year from her. And she has spent undercover and has like neglected her child and has completely forsaken her whole actual life to to bring down this criminal organization and then they're like sorry nothing we can do amanda like it's out of our hands i too would be like fuck you yeah 
police letting me escort the prisoner to Los Angeles. This is insane. Oh, yeah. No, I would slam my hands down on the desk and be like, you made me wear that fucking wig. This is my job. I love, too, that I love the character detail, too, of Agent Tracy Lords, that she's like kind of an expert hacker. Like her role in this syndicate that she's infiltrated is she's like the tech genius. She's like the computer guru. And... It, it is, it, they don't like belabor it, but just like there are a couple points where things happen where like, you know, when she, uh, when the prisoner transfer is happening, it's her and Constantine and they're kind of like this odd crime couple. And she is basically keeping him hostage by being like, listen, do you want the money that they wired to you? Like, I want the chip because I don't want there to be like espionage. I need to stop the crime. But like, don't you want the money? Like, if you give me the chip, I'll give you your money because she hacked into his account oh. and changed his Swiss bank account and changed his password. Hold on, Jordan. Without him knowing. She didn't hack into it. Wait, how, okay, we how did that do that? How did I lose? Okay, when did that happen then? After the money gets transferred in that back yes. room, he doesn't yes. log out. <laughs> He doesn't log out. That's how it happens. I'm pretty sure. This like, is tre- if that's this is a tremendous reveal. If that's true, like, I'm we thrilled see her, to be We this. see her change the password, and I'm pretty sure that he like after he makes her, he muscles her out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And he like types in his password. Yeah, he like covers he, the password with one hand as he's typing, and then he moves out of the way, and she goes back to the computer, and then she just changes his password. Oh, she, oh he just didn't log out. <laughs> he it's doesn't. Amazing. That's amazing. He basically doesn't log out. That's and great, and that's how. She, I mean, like she's also supposed to be a master hacker, but the way that it reads in that oh, that's like, great. Truly reads as he just didn't log out. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I like that even more. At like the same thing that's gotten people at Apple stores, he falls victim to. <laughs> I and, and part of the reason why I say this movie is very surprising um, is, is that there is like the the computer effects of it are generally quite terrible, but the practical effects in this movie, there is a lot of practical crazy shit happening. The when the earthquake is happening, like the the digital shaking of the buildings is a bit ridiculous. But like people running through like falling debris, <laughs> people getting like in the gunfight at one point, the 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 female Russian agent Tanya she pulls out a sawed off shotgun and shoots a guy, and he flies backwards fifteen fucking feet. It's like it is like he got hit by a wrecking ball and thrown across a room. There are there is a scene at like at, in the wake of the earthquake. It, like or when the earthquake is happening, the one of the LA Metro cars like goes off the rails and starts tumbling through. Oh, we'll talk about that as well. The like a helicopter crashes into a building, then falls to the ground. Like there were certain things that happened in this where like, oh, this is actually happening in camera with practical materials. There was not a Jordan. there was not a small outlay Jordan. for some of these things that happen Jordan, in this. What, t- you tamp like down your, Jordan another movie? yes tamp down your excitement here Jordan oh, because no, they used a genius. lot of so okay the cable car sequence is from the 1997 Eddie Murphy movie Metro the whole thing um they cut in a bunch of like they cut in things to match but that is the bulk of the cable car sequence is it, the bulk of the cable car sequence is from the film Metro I love it even more. The train derailment is from the classic Money Train. That did look familiar. I was watching that. I was like, now, is there just stock footage that people can use of this exact as soon as thing I, happening? Yeah. Because it wasn't dissimilar from what happened in Final Destination 3 either. Um, so, okay. Okay. Yeah. It makes, I was like, this is very reminiscent of things I have seen multiple times, like to the point of it, like, this is a, this is a thing that happens in a train disaster situations. It's exact shot. Yeah. So that is, that is exactly as soon from as I, Money Train. That was from Money, that was the one that tipped me off. Where I was like, I have to Google this now because it was too good. It looked too it's good. It's too good. Yeah. It's it looked too good. too good to be from this film. It just doesn't match. Nothing about yeah. it. So yeah. I was like, what is, what is happening? And so I found the website, I love disastermovies.com, which, uh, they reviewed this film in 2011 uh-huh. yeah. and they gave this information. And of course, the elevator collapse sequence, that's from speed. Like the, the shots of, of like the elevator the, itself. 
But uh, the shots, like when it shows like the cable breaking yeah. and it falling. Yeah. Okay. There's um on the bottom side, like the last seat, the last shot we get of the of the elevator. There's like a blown out hole on the bottom, and they never explain yeah. what that's from. And that was speed. That was a, a shot from speed. <laughs> this is it resourceful. is. I was gonna say it's extremely Don't resourceful like, because it do, it absolutely does not look congru congruous. Yeah. With it, the rest of the film, no, like these. These uh, like wild disaster action set pieces. Yeah, like the parts where they truly shocking when they throw the bricks onto parked cars. That was like okay, that's in line with this film. Yeah, we get a lot of shots of just bricks falling into windows of parked cars and smashing them during the earthquake to showcase the disasteriness of the disaster. And that's kind of the budget we're working with. But then we get this fantastic train derailment and it is not at all in keeping with those effects. A thing I would like to know if this was mentioned in the notes of the movie, because there is, again, one of the tremendous parts of this movie in, in its um, in its staging of like action stuff or borrowing of staging of action stuff um, during the uh, cable car chase, there is like uh, Constantine's driving an SUV. Agent Tracy has him at gunpoint. He's like, pull this over. But they're being pursued by Russian criminals. He's like, I can't pull over. They're going to kill us both. So it is just a fucking car chase through the streets of San Francisco that eventually ends up involving a cable car. And at one point, the the brother of of Tanya, the main female Russian agent, he dies because he is (laughs) on like a little rolly... like sale, like pagoda, like from which to sell things. Yeah, he's on like a little little shop cart. Yeah, a little shop cart. And he starts rolling backwards on it. Like he's like shooting while rolling. So he's kind of like getting away while like defending himself. He wheels right into a road and gets fucking plowed down by a car. Yeah. I mean, it is like full, like we had a a truck hit a mannequin and destroy it. Savage moment. Was that this movie? Or do we know if that was from something else? I don't know anymore. I, I, it, it, (laughs) this really caused me to question most of reality. I, there were moments as I was watching this where I was wondering if my, if my life was somehow cut into a different film. Like I, I, yeah, I don't even know. So I would just assume like all the really great effects stuff had to have come Uh from other things. Um, and all of the fully nude shots came from this movie. Yeah, that was definitely happening on location. I yeah. feel confident about but that. But like everything and- else, but yeah, I don't I don't know. There were I mean, look, they did they did put some time and effort into things. The the prolonged sequence of uh Agent Amanda and Nick basically losing down some sort of a amazing fantastic it was look i can't say for sure that kathy yan was inspired by this for that (laughs) sequence in uh in in birds of prey at this moment we can't disprove it i can't disprove it and yeah no there is there's some it is it's post quake uh constantine and agent tracy are hiding from who they've learned is the mole in the fbi Jeff Fahey. Jeff Fahey is here. He is a perfect disaster movie actor. And I was so excited when he pops in this movie. He's the FBI mole. So we see he's working with the Russians. They're pursuing Constantine and Agent Tracy. And they go into this like storeroom or like, you know, supply room in a hotel restaurant kind of thing. And they can't find them because they've gone through like a trap. For some reason, there's a trap door hatch in the floor and it goes down to like this secret kind of like basement storeroom. Yes. It starts filling with water. And so Constantine like busts out this one hatch or something in order for them to escape it's the a, room. Jordan, it's a basement window that le- leads to an air shaft. What is confusing about that? Basement window that leads to an air shaft and it sends them on a fucking water slide <laughs> trip into the belly of this building where we really see like the camera is fixed at a point in this tube in this luge which is and- a very, like a tall this is probably like four feet tall by yeah four feet. this is not like the air shaft that that, that bruce willis crawls through and die hard. no this is not this john is- mcclain yeah this is like and- a pretty large space that they are now just being ricocheted across and there, there's like water shooting down it, so it's like lubricating their their slide. And we see them come one after the other, just sliding straight to camera, like wow, like like being thrown down to the bottom of this building. And it is so out of control. It is hilarious. It was it was a fantastic prolonged sequence. 
that serve no purpose beyond being delightful. It that's it. That's it. And I just they're they're like the the fact that this movie breaks its own reality by putting in other movies. This is like a a meta consideration of the reality index. On the order of which we have never experienced on oh, this podcast. Yeah, no, this is the Jeremy Baramy of reality in this Wow, year. it is. We are in the eye right now. We are in the dot of the eye yeah. right now. It it just the real it's a hard movie <laughs> to reality index because so much of this film is just you're just like, uh sure. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Why not? Like, and we don't get like, the disaster for it's like fifty-five. No, minutes. it it's it's at the midway point, like the first 15 minutes of this film is just straight watching this dude commit espionage, corporate espionage. That's it. And it's the longest I gotta be sequence. Honest, so fucking boring. It's And it also it seems very unnecessary because what yeah. Constantine does is he basically like times a little like watch bomb in the bathroom of his office to just like basically be a little smoke bomb yeah. to trigger the alarms. And while everybody evacuates the building, he like puts a disc in his computer and um like steals the like tracking software for the for the stealth bombers which he designed mind you his motivation is that his wife died of leukemia and the company's health insurance didn't cover the experimental procedure experimental treatment that would have saved her life and so this is him getting back at them and then he asked them for money and they wouldn't give him money that was the second part of this was that he then asked his his business for a loan which i was like i get why you're mad but that's also not how businesses work yeah i was a little bit like i definitely am with you on like the healthcare in this country moment but i think also the things that you're the thing the things that you tried to get out of the situation with your company it's also not unreasonable like in certain limits that the company wasn't doing what you wanted like it's awful but there there are certain that's not that's a bit much yeah um like you hope one does it out of the goodness of their heart but anyway he sets off this little smoke bomb security clears he like sets up the discman to like run a loop of footage on the security camera so it looks like there's nobody in his office while he's putting this disc in the drive to steal these secrets and then he does all this and then he leaves and he goes on the deal to commit the crime and sell the secrets it's like you could have just not done any of that smoke bomb thing because you're about to go on the run and like you weren't going back to work yeah you weren't going back to work constantine like you were selling their secrets you were going to tank their company because this proprietary information is like the most profitable thing that they have you weren't you didn't need to do that entire long crazy fucking ruse where like at one point he's taking apart his computer he's running looped footage through a security camera he sets a smoke bomb in the office he has so many that he has a full ass james bond kit yes. of devices that he uses his cigarette to- his cigarette pack is a fake cigarette pack that actually has something that, that actually has the ingredients for the bomb he has a pen that becomes a phone that he attaches a pickup mic into like the button push thing where like you you know you click out the the, the pen of the ballpoint pen he clicks a pickup mic into that and the ballpoint on the pen is in fact an antenna that he uses to place a call to an FBI mole like the amount of fucking trickery that this guy had in his hardware was insane when all he needed to do was just copy some shit onto a disc and then leave work and never come back because he was never going to come back. Like, yeah, what the fuck was all that? I I don't know. And it was, <laughs> I think, way more exciting than they thought. They thought it was going to be more exciting than it actually was. I, yeah. And agreed. the whole time as the I'm watching the watch, I'm like, dude, that watch, they're going to figure out that it was your watch. Yeah. They're going to figure, like, that didn't blow up. So it's not as if they'd be, they, there'd be no, tr- there was just a watch up there. And then also they let everybody back into the building, which was a whole other issue. I feel like if someone found a smoking watch in the men's bathroom, they'd be like, let's let's call it a day, guys. Yeah, I think you're home for the day on that one. Yeah. You don't just like come back inside. That's like clearly somebody planted this for a specific reason. Yeah. They're going to spend the rest of the day trying to like secure the office. You would. You especially, would if they're, they're, so. especially if they're making things like here's software that can help you track stealth bombers. No, everybody's getting interviewed. Everybody's going into like interrogation yeah. nobody's just coming back to work no they they were searching in the opening sequence they search his briefcase and check to make sure that his neil diamond cd is a neil diamond cd yep. they're not that's the level of security we're dealing with he has to tell the guards when he goes to the bathroom 
they're not just like, oh, okay, well, that was an oopsie. Who does? Yeah. Who amongst us hasn't had a watch to start the smoke? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so, placed oddly, suspiciously in the um, upper right hand corner of a bathroom. Yeah, in a, bathroom. in a bathroom hidden from view. But that, um, that whole sequence was again just like trying to be a different movie than it is in the sense yes. that this whole film at times is trying to be a different movie than it actually is. It's being so every movie. It's being every movie. It's being no movie. Again, it is It is the Jeremy Barramy of films. It is all and it is none. I And I have to say, I, I like Jeff Fahey, perfect. Um, just what a great, what a great appearance. I love Tracy Lords in this so much. Like, where are the dozen movies exactly like this? Yeah. Starring Tracy Lords. Like, I believed exactly her agent, Amanda Foster. She's great, yeah. In this, set, like, where were, where is this whole sub-genre era of her career where we could have seen more? She is a perfect kind of pulp actress, Tracy Lords. The biggest mistake, the only mistake, only mistake, I apologize, that the movie Blade made was killing Tracy Lords in the first, like, five minutes because she should have been a vampire antagonist that entire time. Like, John Waters saw the exact right something special thing in Tracy Lords when he started casting her in movies in the 90s. And I was just like, yes, like, please give me the next crime heist fucking tornado movie starring Tracy. Let me give me the Agent Amanda Foster anthology. Yeah. No, I would like to see more movies composed of other movies that are every genre at once starring Tracy Elizabeth Lord. I she could she should have a career in an NCIS spinoff of some sort. Yes, she'd you're be great. Absolutely she, right. She is so perfectly made for the procedural. Like let her yeah. let her grow her eyebrows back in from those early nights from those early 2000s eyebrows which those those eyebrows sent me on a mental journey. Um because there are those thin, thin. Oh, they thin, were at such a time. They so were, of a time. They were so that that and the and the butterfly hair clip. That combination oh, yeah. of two things that exist in this film just shot me back through time to two thousand. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, let her give her like an NCIS, uh, some random city. I don't care NCIS. Boise, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, seriously, NCIS fucking Portland. Yeah. Like, NCI- NCIS San Diego. Oh, perfect. Let her do it. And she, like, give her a cast of other people that she can play yep. off of. And she, she is great at being a severe-looking cop. Yeah. Who can give you those, like, hard-boiled lines mm-hmm. in a procedural format. Yeah. Let her just give exposition. She's good at this. And you know what? Put Charisma Carpenter in there, too. So, Jordan, fun fact, that's my casting. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, we'll get into the nitty gritty of that later, but spoiler right. alert, that is my dream casting on this one. And and we really, you know, I'll move us to like, you know, getting into the reality, the beginning of the of the quake itself. Again, we're an hour in by the time we finally get this earthquake, but it goes on, guys, for minutes. It's endless. Minutes. Buildings fall against each other. Um, at one point, a restaurant or something on top of a building falls <laughs> off and lands on the ground, yeah. like this little round sort of restaurant thingy just falls onto the floor, onto the ground off of it. Yeah, it looks like it's like an observation deck kind of eatery sort of thing. It is. It it is fantastic. The degree to which they destroy downtown Los Angeles <laughs> yes. and the glee with which they do it is really admirable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And like, you know, we see one spot where there's like a split open in the concrete, assuming, you know, left to assume that that's, you know, it's happening all over L.A. Like you said, buildings falling into each other, chunks falling off of buildings. At one point, there's like a facade of like sort of like you know, Roman columns, like, you know, some sort of like stately looking building that we just focus on for like a minute as people run out of it screaming. Like it's the camera. The, it, then we we keep cutting back to the gunfight that is happening in like okay reality index uh for some reason agent agent tracy lords has needed to take constantine to meet with this top-ranking fbi agent with this extreme she's this extremely sensitive prisoner that they had to fully move from one city to another to ensure his safety and he's like come eat at a restaurant so we can talk about this guy 
that was like, nah, this seems a little bit fishy. I feel like people should start suspecting Jeff Fahey as part of the problem here. And during that like meeting of Fahey and Lords, that's when the, the Russian mobsters show up and there's a big shootout. My favorite part of which, besides the man getting shot with the shotgun and flying back about 15 feet, my favorite part was at one point a waiter who I guess he's he's either part of the crime syndicate or maybe he's just caught up in the moment or he's wild because he at one point like reaches under the table where there is a gun, I guess, taped to the bottom of it, pulls it out and just starts shooting at people. It's like, wait, who's the waiter? I love what's going on. I love here. that it seemed like in that moment when they reveal all the people with guns, it seemed like every single person in that restaurant had a gun. <laughs> every every one of them. Every single it was person. Like a, it, was like, it was like a mafia. It was like a mafia restaurant sort of scene. It, it was from, like watching a spoof. I was it was like say, watching exactly. a spoof movie it was, yeah. of The Godfather yeah. where suddenly like even children are pulling out guns. <laughs> like, it was so bizarre to see how many people in that restaurant had a gun, but also it was I so fully, funny. fully believed it. I was like, yeah, every Everyone in this restaurant has come armed. Yes. As soon as you walk into that restaurant, there's no world in which Tracy Lord, expert, Lord's expert, expert FBI agent, would yeah, immediately yeah. look around this restaurant and be like, no, no, this is, <laughs> this is 100% a restaurant where everyone has a gun because <laughs> everything about it feels like that. And then like they're brought to Jeff Fahey, who is sitting up on a second level yep. and he's like drinking from a tiny glass of you know, dessert <laughs> wine. Yeah, and there's that's exactly what it is. Everything about that sequence, you're like, you weren't even trying to be not sketchy, Jeff. Like, what were you? (laughs) You might as well have had a giant sign on you that read like "evil bad guy mole." Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was like his name would be like Agent Mole or something like that. Yeah. And so that, and this, and like this gunfight just keeps happening as everything is shaking. Every, everything just keeps shaking for so long. And then when they go through their water slide adventure to get out of the building, Amanda, Agent Tracy Lords, is like, I need to go find my daughter because her daughter's waiting for her at some other place downtown because they need to meet up and talk about how she just fully ran away from home to Los Angeles. <laughs> and also Robin's like, I'm going to go live with dad now. I don't want to live with you anymore, which is honestly understandable. Yeah. And so they're walking through like rubble. They're walking through the rubble of Los Angeles handcuffed to one another yeah which and amanda because that's what you do once you have the purpose for 20 minutes you walk handcuffed together yeah yeah exactly and so they're going to they're going to the mall to find her and the russians get tipped off to where um she's going so they're going to go to the mall to find her too they're all it's all going to go down at the mall it's all going to intersect at the mall again a very early 90s construct and oh absolutely Such a and a perfect I, early 90s moment I will say Robin meets up with a boy who she's friends with who happens to be in L.A. at the same time, you know, friends flirty with, um, happens to be at the L.A. at the same time visiting his own dad. And they're the ones who end up in the elevator together with an odd man, an old man who has a stuffed talking uh, stuffed parrot that talks when you squeeze it. Um, That's his quirk. But they, you know, they end up in the elevator. They end up in the speed elevator and they have to do the thing where they get out of the elevator, like pry the doors open, get up onto the floor of of the the closest floor of the elevator before it drops down and crushes them or something like that. There is a moment when the boy is getting out of the elevator that debris falls through the top of it and lands on his leg. I was like, oh, God damn. That was rough. Yeah. Yeah. He survived. (laughs) It was rough. There were genuine moments of peril in that elevator sequence that I did appreciate. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, which the the old guy, I don't know why he was there. Yeah. He he wasn't involved enough for it to make sense. No, he he just added like a level of menace in the sense of my being like, he seems like a real liability. (laughs) That was really, they just added a liability to the two 12 year olds in the elevator with weird old man with a parrot who probably smelled funny. Um, yeah, who doesn't do anything to help or stop their journey? So no. it's not like and isn't ta- doesn't talk enough to be like a comic relief. So he was just kind of an odd addition. Yeah, it was a really odd choice. Um, I did I did fully believe that he would be the first. Like, so the, Robin gets out of the elevator first, and then br- he, the old man goes up, 
And then Brad's leg gets busted and Robin jumps down back in to help save him before the elevator drops. And the old man is nowhere to be seen. And I was like, yep. Nowhere. Old man definitely would not help these children. He does not care if they die. He does does not care. No interest. He did not at any point say like, no small children, you guys go first. I'll be last out of the elevator and then die tragically, which is what I expected to happen. Yeah, I expected him to, like, have a heroic moment. No, no, no. He and his parrot just are left somewhere in the mall by the end of that movie. Because remember, (laughs) the kids are like, we got to go find – Robin's like, I got to go find my mom at the coffee shop that I said I would meet her at. And the parrot guy is just like, why are you going anywhere? No help is coming. And then he just stays. And then he then he just stays. Yeah. So I would assume parrot guy just perishes. He wastes away in this mall. (laughs) <laughs> and then his and then his stuffed parrot consumes him. Yeah, I mean that could ha- that's possible in all the things that this movie was doing that it would do that as well. Yeah, and so they get to the mall, and that's where everything's gonna hit the gas because there is th- that's where that the train car the train car is yeah that's involved the metro yeah so the metro has derailed and they yes. happen to come across it. And realize that they need to save them because there is also a dangling truck that's like Jurassic Park style about to fall yes. onto them. Yes. Um, and there's still some people alive in the damaged in the damaged metro car. Yeah. So yeah, Constantine and Agent Tracy have to have to save the people in the train car right as the Russian uh, criminals get there. And so Russian criminal is like, I'm just going to cut the one thing that's holding this train up here. Yep. And so it can just fall and kill everyone inside. It was such a Looney Tunes choice. It was such a Looney Tunes. Like they, she's like sawing away yes. at what looks like a fire hose. Yes. And then that's when Beth Fahey shows up and has like an attack of conscience. He's like, you can't do that. You're going to kill everybody inside. She doesn't care. So she keeps cutting at it. He's trying to stop her. It, they like, Agent... Tracy and Constantine get everybody out of the train. The um, fire hose like snaps. I think there is a sequence of events where it is it is pure Looney Tunes. I think the fire hose snaps. Something comes like flying from out of the distance, hits Jeff Fahey and the the Russian lady criminal, and knocks them like they fly back through the air so far. They just like, wee! Like it hits, just boing, It is a silly moment. I think it kills her because we don't see her again. Yeah, I have to assume she's dead. She dies. Jeff he lives. So the final confrontation ends up being between um, Agent Tracy and, and Jeff he and it's the showdown. But along the way, they are also being targeted by a helicopter that has more Russian criminals in it. And... Tracy, Agent Tracy spends a crazy amount of time dangling from like one railing. Yes. Like the phenomenal single arm strength that Agent Tracy would have had to have calmly kept herself hanging from that railing for as long as she did while occasionally shooting at the helicopter to distract it. Because here's what, here's how the helicopter ends up going down, guys. Constantine oh my God. Runs, so runs up the mall, runs up to the top of the mall, which has been like blown out on the side, like fully missing its its outer wall. So he runs up to the top of the mall, stands above the helicopter, picks up a giant chunk of concrete and just throws it down Yeah, into the spinning rotor blades of the helicopter. I appreciated that they did that because during the earthquake, they had set that up with so many bricks just being dropped onto windshields (laughs) that I was like, ah, that is the Chekhov's gun of falling rock. (laughs) (laughs) Do we, I mean, not that, not that it it wouldn't harm them in some way, but do we think that a chunk of concrete that could be lifted by a human man could, would fully destroy a helicopter? I don't know. I feel like the rotors might just like, like you you don't want to do that, but I feel like the rotors would just kind of like eat up that concrete and keep spinning. I feel like it might, I don't know. I So I, the thing, I have a friend I could ask, but if I text him, it'll get on a government, I'll get on a government watch list. So I shouldn't do that. Right. Yeah. That's not one we want. Um, I am just going to assume because I don't understand how flight works truly. Yeah. I'm just going to assume that it's all so delicate that, yes, you mess up whatever magic has sure. is occurring to the rotors. Like, yeah. yeah, I guess you might. I mean, just, okay, it's got to be super. Yeah, why wouldn't it dent? And then it would, like, fuck up the way that it propels things. 
Sure. They just instantly, this plane just stopped, yeah. this air, the helicopter stopped being functional, crashing. I mean, I don't think it would mall. cause it to like implode the way that it did, but I will yeah. 100%. Weirdly enough, that did not make me, that did not make me think twice. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate yeah. it. I, I, in fact, loved it. And so I can't, not being able to speak to, um, uh, engineering in that way. I'm going to leave that one to, I'm going to leave that one to the, uh, more informed minds as far as whether that's real or not. I love, I, I love the very end of this movie because there's been like a sort of tension building between Agent Tracy and Constantine. And it, you know, they've been through so much together. He saved her life a couple of times. She's like warmed to him and he, you know, he gives her the chip. He gives her the chip, like, all right, you can have it. And she's like, wait, don't you want the password? And he's like, I already know it. It's Robin. Mm-hmm. Then her daughter, R-O-B-I-N. And she's like, no, it's not. R-O-B-Y-N. And they have like a parting moment. And the last, I love so much the last thing we see in this movie. Yes. Is like um, a donation of 13 million dollars of the 15 million he made off the off the crime a 13 million dollars has been donated to like a leukemia research organization and it has made the front page news of like the los angeles times and tracy lords is like sitting in her kitchen reading the paper sees this headline knows it's him and just like laughs to herself and just goes (laughs) oh nick and that's the the end of the film yeah of the movie and it is so perfect it's great well (laughs) because it was the payoff where she's like what do you need 15 million for anybody could live off of 2 million and he does he takes it to heart he does and it is it 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 so speaks to exactly what you are saying of like where is tracy lord's procedural spinoff franchise yeah it's like that is how you want to conclude an hour of procedural programming on NCIS San Diego. Like, that's exactly what, NCIS fucking Austin. I don't know. That's exactly what you want to see. Yeah, I'm so on board with, I'm so on board with her getting, <laughs> like, like, petition for that to happen immediately. <laughs> oh, man. What a experience. It was, and- a film that we didn't get any aftershocks, we didn't get any earthquake da- any earthquake dangers after the initial earthquake, but the density of earthquake that we got yeah, truly, truly was an earthquake. It truly was an earthquake. Um, so I think that that brings us then to our- um, What was this really about? What was this movie really about? But first, we got after, a short word. Yeah, after a word from one of our sponsors- And you know who it is by now, everybody. Folks, do you love movies? Do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them? The good ones, even the bad ones, everyone told you not to like. It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies. So much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their lives to bring you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. Yes. (laughs) Who did you? (laughs) From super soft t-shirts celebrating the cinematic achievement that is the 2001 classic Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead, to those of us who are Paul Feig super fans and love the the podcast A Simple Pod. (laughs) Very excited for me to get like, to get my, my Simple Pod swag. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and to filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks, and they ship with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com, S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I.com. And there's a custom, there is a custom code for discount. Yes, there now, is. Disaster Diva. So use custom code Disaster Diva at checkout to get a discount. Let's watch more movies. And now, Amanda, then, what was this movie that was so many movies? Yeah. Really about? Um, so this movie, I think, was really about capitalism. Mm, okay. You no, know, this is about I how mean, capitalism- a lot happens in a mall. Exactly. 
thank you. The disaster happens in a mall. So much of this film is about how, like, the entire movie wouldn't exist if if healthcare weren't intrinsically linked to capitalism. <laughs> that is exactly right. You that know, is, that is exactly this movie would not have happened. This movie that. would not have happened without that. If ca- if healthcare weren't a way that we that companies make money. We wouldn't have a situation in which Nick's wife would have, beloved wife, would have died from leukemia. And also he mentions that he goes broke trying to fund the treatments. Yes. So he mentions all this. So it's very clear that the real evil here is capitalism, you know? And so I would argue that that is the disaster, as it so often is, is truly is capitalism. And that's why in the end, we have to fully destroy Amal to bring the mother and daughter back together again. And that's why, in the end, he donates most of his money to charity while also knowing that he can only, he only has to live off of $2 million because that's more than enough. This is a movie that is anti-billionaire. It is a movie that is anti-billionaire. Because it is, saying, it is saying explicitly, you don't need all that money. You mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. happily live with less than you have and give yes. to the greater good. So, yeah, I would argue this is this movie is really about the evils of capitalism, how healthcare is affected by capitalism. And uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm falling on this one. Jordan, what about you? I'm going to go with an old house favorite. Uh, this movie is about the patriarchy. Yeah. Because, you know, you have Agent Tracy Lords, who has been taken out of her house by her job and knows that, you know, it's it's either do this job, go full immersion, go undercover or you're probably not going to advance in the workplace. Like you either take on this kind of assignment where you have to abandon your familial responsibilities. And as the mom, as as the woman, you have to be the super mom, you have to be the super wife. And if you can't, you know, uphold those, you know, probably a greater than your share of the domestic responsibilities, your husband's going to leave because you don't have time for him. He's not going to understand that this is a job that you just have to put your energy into for a while. It's not forever. You know, it's hard to ask a child to understand the kinds of sacrifices that mom has to make to be a single parent, to keep her in school and gymnastics and, you know, having plenty of those hair clips to put in and buy those plane tickets to Los Angeles without the permission of her mother. Um, And then you do all that work, you put in all that time, you make all those sacrifices, and then you're told by your boss that his boss's boss has decided to take your case away and undermine all of this time and effort you put into something and all of this sacrifice to do your job just gets snatched right away from you. And so we see Agent Tracy Lords running up against these demands and limitations And then we see her working with this criminal organization that seems to be trafficking in women to at least some degree. And, you know, you know what's incumbent upon Agent Tracy Lords to do in this movie at the end? She has to go find her daughter, Robin, because Robin's been waiting for her in this place in downtown L.A. You know what dad didn't do? Yeah. Go to the place where he dropped his daughter off and go find her. It's just like, well, mom was supposed to go meet her. Mom was supposed to go pick her up. So I guess she's mom's responsibility now, even though it's highly likely she's dead. Yeah. Like dad doesn't go to exactly where he knows she is because they've established a meeting time and place. No. Mom has to go do it on top of all of her jobs of solving crime. Yeah. So that like, even says he's going to stay at home to in case she goes home. Like, no, she's yep. not. She, no, she's how not. How is she going to get home, dude? It's Yeah. How the fuck is she getting there? Yeah. It So this, that is what this movie is about to me. The unreasonable expectations um, in a combination of domestic life and professional life put on women to be all things to all people and all parties that they are associated with, lest they break the wheel and let everybody down by not being able to live up to one of their responsibilities with 100% ability because they are divided between so many things. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I like that. There it is. Yeah. Right there with you on it. All right. And now, since we've heard a bit of a tease yeah, of your dream casting, casting, yeah, what do we got? All right. I do want to just, as a real quick side note, guys, this D is available on DVD for $2.92 on Amazon. <laughs> 92 cents. And it comes with seven other films as well. It, oh. Including Fire From Deal. Including Fire From Below, that terrible Kevin Sorbo movie about the uh, fireballs that chase people through water. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is, wait, that's the, is that the Firefingers one? Yeah, that's the Firefingers one. Yeah, yeah, where, where one fire hate. doesn't consume an entire bar. Yeah, because of it only reacts with water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So that's just <laughs> that is available. Casually misogynist fire from below. Yeah. Which unsurprising given that Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> Kevin Sorbo. It was a Kevin Sorbo classic. Yeah. Um so yeah, so I immediately, Jordan, you and I have talked extensively um, about how we want Charisma Carpenter to have her own John Wick style yes! action series. Give Charisma Carpenter an action franchise. And this is what we're doing. We're making this. So I actually think there's a ton of potential here to reboot this movie. Um, uh-huh. And I do think that Charisma Carpenter as John Wick style FBI agent. Um, who I love it. Uh, yes, like keep the conflict. I, I keep it. the conflict with the daughter where she's struggling to like balance her home life. Uh-huh. Have her be deep cover. Uh-huh. We remove the first fifteen minutes of all of the corporate espionage. <laughs> yeah. But and we make this a charisma carpenter leading lady action movie. Nick, the one thing I liked about Nick was his accent. I wanted Charisma Carpenter <laughs> to play off of someone who has an accent. Sure. What I didn't want was I didn't want to spend most of the movie wondering if she was going to fall in love with that person. Yeah, I didn't either. So. And this movie barely wanted that too. That movie barely wanted that too, but I was also so afraid we were going to get an unnecessary explicit sex scene. Yes, me too. I was, because I was just like, this is just, we're seeing way too much full frontal for me to feel comfortable with this. Um, so I was very concerned through a lot of this film. So we're going to remove that aspect of it because – the corporate espionage is going to be conducted by a man who res- would respect charisma too much to ever put her into that position <laughs> of, of ever questioning. He's, he's going to respect that she's separated, and he's also not going to have time for this nonsense. You know who that man is? Who is that? Delroy fucking Lindo. Oh, my God. <laughs> using his real British accent. The gravitas. Yes, using his real British accent. Uh-huh. Delroy fucking Lindo. There's going to be more of like a fatherly vibe to them and like a mm-hmm. begrudging kind of peer respect thing, but they are still going to have a lot of fun playing off of each other. Yes. There might even be a little bit of flirty banter because it's Delroy Lindo and he's charming. Oh, he's so But charming. there's never going to be like, I just don't want it to be, I just, I want it to be in the same way that John Wick is a non-sexual franchise. Yes. I want that kind of vibe. Yeah, but agreed. more importantly, when she lets him go at the end, he's going to be able to show up in future sequels as a surprise of like, I got to call a friend. And then she calls Delroy Lindo. And he's and like, then she goes, Delroy Lindo. and he's like chilling on an island somewhere. Um, and he gives her advice about how to hack or something. <laughs> I don't know. Something. The point is, is that he's going to be a reoccurring character in this franchise because I love. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, but the the main crux of it will be Delroy Lindo and Charisma Carpenter trying to get through Los Angeles at, during and after an earthquake. We're giving this good budget. We're giving the special effects. There will not, and then there will not be a Looney Tunes style attempt at killing them with a car. Um, and most importantly, the counter agent, the mole, going to bring back a uh, pod favorite here. Miles Teller, <laughs> because that slimy little fuck, absolutely. And he's the vibe there is going to be, he's going to be like the young hotshot who's rising up through the ranks. And she's like, I can't believe this 12-year-old is taking over this case. <laughs> I cannot believe it. And she's going to be so angry that this 12-year-old is like her superior now. And it's going to be a little bit of the misogyny That's aspect as well. That's absolutely what would happen to her too. Yeah. And it's going to be this like little bit of an undercurrent of misogyny that she's like, I've been working this job for 30 years because, you know, Christmas 50 and you've been doing this for five years and you're already my superior. And then that's what's yeah. going to happen. So that's where I'm at. Um, and he's going to die uh, really horrifically in the mall. It's going to be satisfying. Anyway. <laughs> he's going to die really horrifically in the mall. Um Okay, good. Yeah, that's fully, that's fully realized. Thank you. I like, I want to make this film. <laughs> I know you have big plans for charisma and I love them. I I really want this for charisma so badly now. <laughs> uh I'm gonna I'm gonna leave I'm leaving Tracy yeah. in, in the in the lead role. I just I enjoy it far too much. I'm going to I'm gonna leave Jeff Fahey here because he's so great. I'm gonna make um Tanya the like head Russian criminal agent or head head Russian head Russian criminal. Uh, I'm gonna make her Hillary Swank. Okay, just going so ham fisted into villainy. Yeah, because I love her when she does that. And um, if there's one, if there if there are any reasons to watch the movie The Hunt, it is to see Betty Gilpin be absolutely unhinged, amazing. Um, 
anti-heroine? I don't even know how you classify that character. And and Hillary Swank being a dripping villain. And it's tremendous. So it's going to be Hillary Swank. There's going to be a lot more like face-off kind of moments between her and and Agent Tracy Lords. And we're going to we're going to make Constantine because we just saw him in Greenland. And I want so much more of him all the time. Holt McCallany. Sure. We're going to we're going to bring him from Mindhunter uh to this because what a perfect like forlorn widower he is and he is so tall and handsome and um underutilized so that is going those are going to be my main choices we're putting holt in the role of constantine and we're putting hillary swank in the role of tanya the main bad guy i love this yeah, I think we've got great movies on our hands. Yeah, the one thing I was also th- like, I was also thinking was to bulk up Tanya, and at the end, Miles te- Miles Teller dies, um, and then Tanya is revealed again as the big bad. Like, I want I want her to come back and have the face off with Kristen Carpenter. Yeah, not just like kind of die off screen. Yeah. No, she needs to get a good like. There needs to be a good hand to hand combat action sequence. And you know who we're gonna do that for that? I just thought of this, Eliza Jishku. Eliza. Oh, my heart is warmed by that suggestion. I love that. Yeah, we're going to give Charisma and Eliza are going to go hand to hand for the fucking combat. for the women of the Buffyverse, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Eliza Dushku would be so fun. Wouldn't that be so fun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eliza, come back anytime. Like, and, and um, the whole time she's been speaking with an American accent and then she suddenly switches to a Russian one and it's revealed, like there's some big reveal. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, no, that's there's so many so much potential for reveals here. Oh yeah. No, I want so, this. So how how many towering infernos does this one get? Uh, um I'm gonna give it a proud two and a half. <laughs> like I'm not proud two and a half. I'm not sure that this is a disaster movie. Sure. And I'm not sure that I would ever watch it again. Uh-huh. But they tried, and I can't give it lower than that. <laughs> Jordan, what about you? I this movie is getting a three point seven five. Oh my me. god, really? This movie is getting a three point seven five. Seriously? For me. Yes, it absolutely is. It is so fucking crazy, and even crazier still, knowing the truth of like the production hacking that went on with it. I the the gusto to do that to make your movie. I just, it is such an oddity. I I was entertained. The Again, the longest earthquake we have seen and possibly will see yeah. in discussing movies for this podcast. The way when it becomes a disaster movie, it, it just like acts like it's been one the entire time. A shootout in the middle of a disaster, of, of an earthquake, an endless shootout in the middle of an endless earthquake. Jeff Fahey, Tracy Lawrence, 3.75 for me. You know what? Can't ar- oh, I can't argue that. Like, that's all very good reasoning. <laughs> I don't know that I would feel the same, but yes, sure. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't disagree with your answer either. Yeah. It is truly everything and anything for anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a real eye of the beholder kind of movie. All right, so next week we got ourselves another guest, Jordan. Yes, we do. What's coming up next? So next week we have The Perfect Storm, another movie from 2000, which will actually feel like it was from 2000, well, which will feel like it was from 1991, but because it's set in 1991. A distinctly less uh, silly movie. Yeah. Um, and we're discussing that. We've got Emily Edwards from the fantastic podcast, Fuckboys of Literature. So Emily's going to be coming on as a as a New Englander herself has requested this film. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, this stars George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, and then like a bunch of other fantastic character actors. And it's uh, going to be right in keeping with kind of our sea shanty times. It's about yeah, yeah. The sea, the the sea, the season of the shanty. Mm-hmm. It's about a is upon a us. swordfish fishing boat, Andrea Gale that goes that goes missing during a perfect confluence of storms, and that is available uh, for rent on all the streaming services. Yeah, and I'll just let you know now, guys. Heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I get based on a heartbreaking true story. Based on a really horrible true story. Uh, so that should be that should be a time. Um, so Jordan, <laughs> where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. And then you can find me also 
on Patreon, patreon.com slash Cruciola, because why wouldn't you want to do that and send me some dollars for things like the podcast that I make and the articles that I write? There you go. And uh, what's your other podcast, Jor? It is Ots Tyrion, where me and my friend, the filmmaker Sam Weinman, uh, canonize and give like criterion level honorific treatment to movies of the uh, horror and genre movies of the millennium era. Most recently, we have discussed gems like The Roommate from 2011 and The Quiet from 2005. And I could not more highly recommend this we're having the conversations these these movies deserve to have about them <laughs> all right and jason where can we find you uh you can find me at jason halftones on instagram and twitter and whatnot uh and you can find the other podcasts on the network at that might all right and you can find me i'm amanda r tubbs and that's tubs with two b's on twitter two b's and uh that's where you can find me that's the thing that i do is just <laughs> me on twitter um, of course, the podcast is disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. I'm just going to assume we're abandoning the idea of doing this contest because no one's participating, which let me tell you guys is a real fucking bummer because I was looking You're forward. missing out. I was looking forward to giving away a DVD of 20, 47 meters <laughs> down signed by me and Jordan imitating our best version of Mandy Moore's potential signature. <laughs> uh, but literally no one has entered this contest so so disappointing so disappointing guys there, please though do take a second to rate and review us um on all of the various apps and podcast programs um tweet at us text us whatever uh oh we're disastergirlspod at gmail.com don't email jason directly because he'll probably <laughs> don't email jason. he'll probably ignore it um and we'll see y'all back next week for the perfect storm thanks everybody Bye, guys that might be cool.com. You never know.